This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What's the longest that you've been patient with something in your life that just seemed to get on your last nerve? Especially if you're a mother or a father, right? What's the longest you've displayed patience as your children acted up or disobeyed you? I think I made it five minutes once. Maybe I'm cutting myself short. Ten minutes. I remember a story about a woman who found out that she was pregnant with her first child. She was excited, but nervous. She knew what she was like when she was a child. And she was self-aware enough to know, that she, to know, too, that she had a short fuse with some people. She recognized the importance of her role and wanted to be a good mother, as good of a mother as she could for her child. So she prayed for patience. A couple of weeks later, she suffered a pregnancy complication that required total bed rest for about seven months. No getting up to stretch, no going outside for fresh air, stay in bed and let that baby grow. She gave birth to a healthy baby, and she learned a great lesson about patience along the way. I'm pretty sure, though, that's not exactly how she wanted her prayer to be answered. Just as we expect our children to listen and obey us, God the Father expects His children to listen and obey Him as well. When we do, blessings. When we don't, a wake-up call to realign ourselves to His will. Often, we will give our children one final warning before releasing punishment. Similarly, God warns us, just as Amos tells us in chapter 3, verse 7, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. So it should be no big surprise that we find the people of Amos' time in that backswing of turning against God, preparing for punishment. But God's patience is not like your patience or my patience. I'm good for five to ten minutes. While God, God is patient for days, months, years, even centuries before he is ready to pass judgment. He's been patient with the people of Amos' time for a long time, but his patience is about to run out. God uses Amos' to call out the sins of all the, the countries surrounding Israel and Judah. Syria, guilty of cruelty. Philistia, guilty of slave trade. Phoenicia, guilty of breaking truces. Edom, guilty of refusing to make peace. Ammon, guilty of aggression, and a rather descriptive form of aggression as recorded in Amos 1.13. Moab, guilty of vengeance. I can just picture the people of Israel and Judah nodding in agreement. Yep, they did that, saw it with their own eyes. It's true. Good job, God. But in the midst of all that nodding, bam, Judah, guilty of idolatry. Amos 2, verse 3 says, Because you have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes, 
but their lies have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. Judah is accused of breaking the covenant established with their forefathers at Mount Sinai. They have allowed their lives, their lies and sins to become a way of life rather than a road to repentance. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but we recently celebrated the 243rd birthday of the United States of America. Do any of God's accusations against the surrounding countries and of Judah sound familiar to us? Cruelty. Forget the evening news. Just take a look at some of the viral videos hitting YouTube these days. It's not hard to find cruelty against the poor, the sick, the young, the old, animals. All recorded and most with laughing in the background. Slave trade. In Lincoln's second inaugural address, he states, Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsmen's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn by the sword, as it was said 3,000 years ago, and so it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether." Breaking truces, refusing to make peace, vengeance, all have occurred in the last 243 years. And all are occurring today. Even the abomination of slavery still rears its head today with the crisis of human trafficking. Well, let's not forget Judah and their idolatry. Their lifestyle of lies became normalized over time leading to idolatry, improper worship, and ethical failures. What forms of idolatry do you see around us today? What churches have you heard about that cater more to entertaining you and making you feel good rather than leading you to Christ? What examples of ethical failures do we see in families, businesses, politics? I'm not a bachelorette show watcher by any means, but I couldn't help but shake my head over the recent episode controversy of whether sex should be saved for marriage, and the star became offended saying, I have had sex and Jesus still loves me. What messages are we sending to our kids, or even hearing ourselves, when we separate Jesus' love for us from Jesus' love for a repentant heart? We sin daily, true, and sometimes we continue in that same sin, but it's the repentant heart that says, I want to leave this sin behind me and turn towards your will, Lord. It doesn't say, I know I'm sinning, but I don't care because Jesus still loves me. When we're not repentant about our sin, we normalize it, and we find ourselves with Judah allowing our lies to lead us astray. Before God, all sin is equal, but there is no normalizing allowed just because our society says it's okay. But let's get back to Amos, because we haven't even talked about Israel. Surely Israel is in God's favor, right? After all, they've regained some of the lands previously lost to the Assyrians, just as Jonah had predicted in 2 Kings chapter 14. They were prospering economically, 
There's peace in the land. This must be God's blessings coming down upon them. This sounds a lot like us over the past 243 years. Our economic and technological growth over the past 40 years alone has opened up opportunities across every occupational field. Yes, we're a nation at war, but for the most part, we're not concerned about our safety here at home because of war. But peace and prosperity all too often bring a false sense of security. And that leads us right back to Amos' judgment on Israel. Israel, guilty of pride. Pride is the gateway sin that can lead to every other sin. Pride is what's attributed to Satan's fall from heaven. Pride puts us in competition with God himself. As C.S. Lewis puts it, in God you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore you know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Pride makes you blind to the world around you, and that's what happened to Israel. Amos 2.12 says, They commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Said another way, What makes you so righteous anyway? Who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? I'm not hurting anyone, and that just leaves me, just leave me to do whatever I want. As long as it feels good, it must be right, and who do you think you are to tell me otherwise? But God was patient and true to his word. He spoke through the prophets, bringing the people, to bring the people to repentance. Chapter 4 shows us the sad compilation of those attempts. God tells them, greatly paraphrased, I made you hungry, and yet you did not return to me. I withheld rain from your fields, and yet you did not return to me. I struck you with blight and mildew, and yet you did not return to me. I sent you a pestilence like what those that I sent to Egypt. You must have noticed the similarities, and yet you did not return to me. I overthrew some of you, kind of like what I did with Sodom and Gomorrah. Didn't you see the severity of your sin, and yet you did not return to me? People today can take a lot of rebuking from others if they even insinuate that God allows something bad to happen that is weather-related or terrorist-related or famine-related or economically-related as any way of waking us up and calling us to repentance. And yet, in the midst of this, God's patient love always provides us a way out. Amos 9.11 tells of Israel's restoration. When God will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord, who does this. This messianic prophecy foretells of Jesus bringing all of the nations into restoration with God. The day will come when, quote, 
They will never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Unquote. Jesus came into this world. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. Not just the sins before I was a Christian, but all the sins that I commit and that you commit on a daily basis. That is why we open our worship services with the rhythm of confession and absolution. Collectively, we also forgive and seek forgiveness from each other so that nothing stands between us as we, pro- as we approach the communion table. God is standing ready to receive our repentant heart and to turn from our sins. All sin is ugly in the sight of the Holy Lord God, but they are all continually covered in his blood as we daily go to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And then the hard work continues. A change in the way that we live so that we no longer accept the sin as something that we can continue to do just because God forgives us, but rather to begin to acknowledge Christ in us and reflect the love of Jesus onto the world. With that kind of love displayed in our lives, family, friends, and strangers alike, there is no cruelty, no slave trade, no breaking truces, refusing to make peace, aggression, vengeance, idolatry. There's no pride. There are no Amos-like judgments that are cast upon us. As we open these doors today and leave today, we'll notice that there is much work to be done. God has not established his final restoration of the world, but his patience is long-standing. So let us come together in repentance, be freed by God's saving grace, and share that good news with our neighbors through our acts of love toward one another. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.